Frank. I know that I like to talk, uh, so I got a job where I talk, and now I decided that I want to talk even more, so I started a podcast with you, and then that wasn't enough, Frank, so I decided to maximize how often I talk, so now I'm live streaming multiple times a week, Frank. Are you actually talking if no one listens, though? I guess that's the question. I'm just kidding. I bet you millions of people are watching your latest talking event. Videos on YouTube? Is that what you said? So you're well, finally doing it? I was doing videos on YouTube, and I still do, but now I'm doing live streaming on Twitch.tv. Right. Higher pressure. Gotcha. Yep, yep. Now, Good stuff. It is, it is higher pressure. You are correct. Actually, it's, it, you thought that was kind of funny, but it is higher pressure um, in general. Yeah. You know, I've actually thought about it myself. I was like, certainly I could be an entertaining programmer, right? And so I've thought like I even downloaded the OBS software and fiddled with the things. And I'm like, I'm not sure I can do this. So I haven't pulled the triggers. So I'm pretty proud of you for actually doing it. It, it is a bit of pressure and you want to you want to be entertaining you want to be educating and you don't want to look like a fool <laughs> it's true uh when so so yeah about a year ago a year year and a half ago something like that i i did a charity stream in 24 hours of gaming which was a lot of fun yeah and that got me into the world of twitch but i didn't go back to it i was like i don't no one want to watch much me game and then jeff fritz um he recently started streaming i think this year five days a week just three hours a day and it was like well, that's yeah. a lot you know and it was inspiring so i i go i want to you know bring what i'm doing on a daily basis i have a home office now i'm kind of now in a space where i can do it so i decided that i'm gonna live stream so every friday oh and here's some cool things let me lay this down because this isn't all about live streaming it's going to get us to our topic today <laughs> but uh, i live stream tuesday uh, afternoons or uh, sorry, Tuesday afternoons, Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. and Saturday mornings at about 8.30 a.m. And those are my code streams. I also do some video games. Saturday streams. mornings. I can't believe you broadcast on Saturday mornings. But well, uh, we, I had actually bugged you about that earlier. And you said it's for the international crowd. So how thoughtful of you, James? Yeah, because if I go at 2 p.m., um, if you're in the U.K. or in Australia, you know, Australia, you're probably still waking up. U.K., you're starting to go to bed. But if I swap it a little bit, kind of like then, you know, Australia can kind of get in the end of the stream on Fridays. But then on Saturdays, the U.K. has plenty of time. It's the afternoon and it kind of works out uh, fairly well. And I also have it. So on Fridays is more of a work stream. So I'm streaming for work. Sometimes I have guests on like I had David Orton hmm. now on talking about some new stuff. And and then, you know, Saturdays are my um, personal streams where I kind of get into things that I want to do. Maybe it's a, you know, little side hustle, Frank. Got to make that money. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. But first, I want to give another shout out to Emo. Emo, uh, uh, I never Landworth. know how to pronounce his last Landworth. Okay, so you actually pronounce it that way. Uh, he is doing a How to Write a Compiler series. And you can watch that on Wednesday mornings, bright and early Pacific time, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Better if you're on the East Coast of the U.S., mm -hmm. But it's very good. He's an excellent programmer, and he's kind of copying the Roslyn architecture. So it's a great way to learn actually a lot about Roslyn if you're into that kind of stuff. Mm. And he's doing a video, and he's gotten pretty smooth about it, James. He's pretty good. Has a chat window and everything. Responds to the chat. Working well. 
Yeah, you gotta you gotta respond to the chat. That's that's the other part of it. Is it's it's not only just that. It's about having the emoticons. It's about having pop ups. <laughs> it's about subscribers. It's about chat room. It's about interacting. So my sessions are more of an, an ask me anything session more than anything, which is super fun. And people have been really having a lot of fun. I'll, I'll put a link to my Twitch stream in the chat below and some of the software I use. I use Streamlabs OBS. So that is kind of all in one because OBS is a little overwhelming. So Streamlabs <laughs> brings it together. I, I love trying to figure out OBS. I, I think I do it every two years or so. I'm like, I'm going to download OBS and remember how to use it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that bad. I don't mind it. The, the straight up weird one. The normal version. You got to get the uh, they call it the slobs, the Streamlabs OBS. All right. Um, That's the cool one. That's the what all the cool kids are using. It, it just is OBS, but then it has all the whiz, whiz bang features on top of it. So okay. I like it. It's good. I don't need I don't need the whiz bang, but good for you. Yeah. Got to have the whiz bang. People want that. So that we can get the bits and the cheers and the subs. Um, <laughs> that's what you need. Um, smash that like button. Yeah. Smash that like button. So it brings us to the topic because I decided, you know, I, I'm evolving the Saturday stream. And originally I was just getting on and doing some more work. And I said, how oh, I just want to learn. You know, I don't have a lot of time to learn new things, Frank. Hmm. That's too bad. Um, you're just too busy during the day, huh? Yeah. And that left us honestly in a place with this podcast where, if you think about two years ago, I mean, we were just talking about like, what are we doing this week? What's James doing this week? What's Frank doing this week? And it really led to these great conversations. And I wanted to get back to that. Okay. So now I'm going to really have to watch these videos, huh? <laughs> I think so. You can just catch me up on the podcast. We'll have a, a, a short summary at the beginning in case you didn't watch it. <laughs> here you go. For all of our Patreon subscribers. In case you didn't watch my stream, here you go. Um. So this week, I decided to start something new um, with my Saturday streams because I, I have long term plans. But right now, I'm really interested in a few key technologies. So for the rest of November, so the rest of October, the rest of October and November, I'm doing Signal R Saturdays. Ooh, Signal R. OK, cool. And that's our topic today, right? We're, we're just going to talk about Signal R, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we got to dive in. We got to dive in. Yeah, because in general, what, what has happened is that people have asked me for years about real time communication and mobile apps. And I go, I don't know, there's like sockets or something like I don't know, there's something, you know. Yeah. And we were just talking about APIs and we kept talking about rest and all that stuff. But a great part where rest kind of breaks down is when you want real time streaming of data, like you don't know exactly how to model it and all that. And so you usually do end up using a specialized library or something, and we just never talk about them for some reason. So this is this is a good topic. I'm excited. Yeah, it, it truly is. It, it's it's an interesting topic to me because um, I want to, at a high level, create a kind of server backend that's running in ASP.NET Core. And I really want to integrate this real-time chat communication into a Xamarin app, into a .NET application, because according to their documentation, it should totally work. <laughs> Two lines of code, something like that. I, I, I love those, like the, the getting started guide that's like three lines. It should be that simple, right? It kind of is. It's just a .NET standard library, which seems magical to me. 
yeah, but it's web. Doesn't that mean there's a million config files you're going to have to fill out? Eventually, there's going to be a YAML file, James. Somewhere there will be. Somewhere there truly most likely will be, to be honest with you. I will say it's still a little confusing. I want to give this a preface here that this thing is called there. There is the old signal R, Frank. Oh, wait, there's a schism. I didn't know. There's old old signal R, new signal R. Okay, tell me more. Old signal R, like .NET framework. Aha, I see. This is a core thing, huh? Mm-hmm. New signal R, new hotness. <laughs> okay. And when did this come out? <laughs> I like. I like. That was very successful, James. <laughs> I was waiting on every word there. <laughs> when this, did this come out? <laughs> this came out at build. 2018 so may is that may may that sounds right oh it was such a blur so much happened okay so we got a cool dotnet core version of signal r which means you can run it everywhere you can throw it in little dockers um basically yeah it just runs everywhere great yeah yeah so signal r is kind of a loaded term and all it really does is all about real-time communication so creating a slack chat right that's when I think real-time communication, I don't even think about the the messages that get sent. I usually think of the Frank is typing something currently type of thing where like I'm getting real time. <laughs> I'm 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 in an I'm in a constant connection. And that's to me something that's intriguing about what SignalR could do or really fast pub sub connections always connected to it. Where normally we did an entire episode on Rust. Do you remember that? I think we've done a couple, but yeah, just recently. Mm-hmm. And and that is not an always-on constant connection. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what we're talking about here is latency, really. Um, and there's a few ways to go about these real-time connections. In fact, when you first mentioned SignalR, immediately my mind jumped to numbers, sending numbers back and forth, because I love to build little devices that have lots of sensors on them. So whenever I'm dealing with this real-time communications problem, it's usually just sending numbers. So at this uh, higher level thing, uh, like a chat client, I wasn't even considering that, honestly, in the very beginning, except for we. We'll talk about we, and that's that. that that falls into all this stuff. Uh, but what's cool about SignalR is it's um, more of a remote procedure call kind of system where you just define a bunch of functions on the server and the client is constantly connected to the server and has therefore very low latency or as low latency as we can get over the internet uh, calls on that server. And they just kind of take care of all the ugliness, right? It's like a real nice high level simple api to get all those features yeah and i started streaming so i started streaming this and the very first comment i got in the chat screen stream was well why aren't you just using websockets and stop using all this microsoft bs and i go well um Good question. I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> that you asked uh, or made a statement about hating SignalR technology. But what's intriguing is I think of SignalR almost as a plug-in for real-time communication. That's what I consider it. Um, I, 
Yeah, I for from my perspective, it's higher level than web sockets. They simplify even more stuff. In fact, the way I think it was designed is it can use multiple different transports, and web sockets is just one possible option that SignalR can use. Mm-hmm. But what SignalR really is is just a higher level abstraction over the whole concept of a. Uh, a remote procedure call or sending data or receiving data. Like you said, they do have some pub sub stuff, right? I'm, I'm less familiar with that. But um, comparing it to WebSockets isn't exactly fair. And the answer that you should give anyone who says, why don't you just use WebSockets is, uh, WebSockets are actually hard is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can use this JavaScript framework that does all these WebSocket things. And I was like, I bet that that is actually doing some abstraction over WebSockets too. And you're right. I think SignalR as a high level as a C-sharp developer, this is what Microsoft has told me to use and developed for specifically for me. So um, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, you, know. you, you love the support. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's open source, Frank. It's open source. You know, it's got real support. Um, it supports the things that I develop on. You're right. The, the nice thing is that it abstracts WebSockets or it will pick between WebSockets, server sent events or long polling. And it just does all that magic for me. I'm not a genius. I'm not a real time communication genius, Frank, like you. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh, I'm not genius. I'm gonna go where uh, with a uh, intermediate, you know, where you know enough to be kind of dangerous. And in fact, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, well, there's actually a blog article out there, and I'm sorry, I'm totally forgetting who wrote it and which blog it was on. But it was something along the lines of WebSockets are hard, and here are all the ways that if you just start writing from scratch WebSockets yourself to accomplish this task, all the things you're basically gonna mess up when you're doing it, like um, some things that you assume are guarantees in WebSockets, like uh, a web uh, message will always come fully intact. The spec makes it sound like that. Everything makes it sound like that. Everyone's code that you read online assumes that. But the truth is messages can actually get split up in WebSockets and it's an ugly thing. So you got to actually piece them back together and all that stuff. And that's just one of a list of this this article was great because I think I had like 10 items and I just used it as a checklist and I went back into we I'm like ooh, I hope I'm doing all this stuff and <laughs> just went went through their checklist I'm like okay make sure I do that make sure I do that make sure I do that because yeah the there's a lot of little gotchas if you go at the low level web socket level yeah and and the nice thing here when I was developing this application is the uh so I, I created a little on the on the first live stream I said I just want to understand the core concept. I don't want to start going into the mobile app world because I need to understand how the back end works, how the front end works. And I figured I'd take a second to stroll through that concept because I think you already mentioned it. The entire idea is that there's server client and they define this as a hub uh, and clients connect to the hub and the hub is the server. And the unique part there is that the hub itself is um, essentially just kind of is on the back end, you define methods that will take in data and then send that to specific groups or clients that are connected via, it's almost like um, a messaging center, to be honest with you, because you just say like, send this message and here's this data. And it's very loosely coupled. Like here, just have fun, have fun with this. There you go. Go out there, just be yourself. It didn't, it doesn't seem so different from ASP.NET 
uh, MVC controllers. I mean, it's it's the basic same principle there, where I think you can even have multiple hubs per server and just have a hub at a different URL. So you could actually um, split up your app into different sections if you find that useful or you're going like the microservice route. Mm-hmm. Docker it up. Just Docker it up. Put there in the, the, the nodes and the whales and the, <laughs> the things, whatever that is. But, you know, it, it's true. So I created a little hub. It couldn't have been easier, to be honest with you. This part I completely understood. I created a method. It was called send message. And it was a user and a message. And it said send. And I gave it a magical <laughs> key. And I said, OK, now how do I? connect to it and then they're like well just uh bring in that javascript framework and i go um excuse me (laughs) okay so like their default docs are for a web app to talk to this thing and therefore all their client code is javascript i guess that makes sense but you are going to tell me that there is a proper like .NET SDK, right? So I can run this on iOS and Android and all that. So this is where it got really interesting Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> next, to be honest with you. But first, before I get into that interesting conundrum, let's take a quick break mm. and thank our sponsor, Frank. Ooh, good. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, you know our sponsor. You love our sponsor. It's our good friends at Syncfusion. Syncfusion has been supporting this podcast for several years, almost since the very beginning. And they do so because we love them and they love us and all of our listeners love their thousand plus components and frameworks for building beautiful applications for WPF, ASP.NET, Xamarin, JavaScript, Angular, Vue, React, or even web forms. And these components and frameworks are beautiful controls and powerful frameworks that you can easily integrate into your applications, such as charts, graphs, tree views, collection views, optimized list views, radio buttons, anything that you can think of. In fact, one of the things that I like besides beautiful charts and graphs is the powerful support they have for things such as PDF, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets. You can easily integrate these into your applications. It's just a few lines of code and all of them are optimized for iOS, Android, Windows, wherever you're running your code. The best part here, besides all these beautiful controls, is that they have great sample apps and a free community edition that you can get completely for free. All you have to do is go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more about all of their beautiful charts, controls, and frameworks. Tell them that James and Frank sent you. When you go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this pod and all the great shows. Thanks, Syncfusion. Did you see that I uh, that I just uh, pulled a Mer- Merlin man there? The pod or the great shows? The great shows. I hope he doesn't say pod. I no. love the great shows part. <laughs> no, this pod. I think pod is coming from a few different pods. and um, That's terrible. It's a pod. It's a pod. Don't it's a pass podcast. that on. Pod. <laughs> uh Thanks, Syncfusion, for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> this pod. Yeah, this po- and also, John Gruber has gone with the pod, so just saying. Oh, no. Okay. Well, if John did it, John has good taste. Gruber Bell. I disagree, Ding. though. <laughs> A conundrum. Client libraries. Yes. So we got to talk to the server. Server was easy, turns out. Oh, uh, yeah. The server was easy. In, in fact, almost too easy. Um, <laughs> leaving me in suspense here buddy so the client part it had me thinking because i was going through the tutorial and it's like hey go bring in all this javascript into visual studio and i was like oh no i don't no. know bro bro i don't know what you're talking <laughs> about and then i started thinking frank because in- immediately what i would want to do is like hit a button 
and then have that call my controller. Okay. Well, what what are we talking anyway? What what kind of client app are uh, you writing? Are I'm, you doing an iOS app, a, a forms app? Or? So I was making a ASP.NET website. Oh, okay. So you are making a web app. You just weren't too excited about what too much JavaScript JavaScript overload. Was that the problem? Well, I, I think the as I started going through it, you know, I you create an ASP.NET Core web app, and that's where you create your hub. You probably wouldn't put it there in the long run, but for the demo, it's like, hey, create this hub, ASP.NET, you know, hub. Okay. And and you you scaffold essentially a website on top of it for this demo app that I was creating. So when I spin it up, I can create a bunch of browsers and have them all chat together, which makes a lot of sense. And so they're like, oh, just bring in this JavaScript and then have your JavaScript. When you hit the send button, the JavaScript will connect. It'll connect to the hub and it'll send the message to the hub. I go, oh, man, I don't want to run JavaScript. But then I was thinking, Mm -hmm. well, I can't do my traditional controller because then it would call the server and then the server would call the hub and then that would make no sense. So when I started to take the concept that to say everything I started, I'm like, wow, this now feels like a mobile app where everything is running actually in the browser because the JavaScript is in the browser. So that started to make sense to me. And then I thought, well, that's great, but I'm a .NET developer. Then (laughs) I realized that they actually do have a full .NET client that to my understanding works in web and, um, like on server and on mobile. So the thought process here is that I could integrate this into the Xamarin app or ideally do some WebAssembly stuff, right? I mean, put that in Blazor. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, so, okay. I, I wasn't expecting that turn of events toward the end there. So. Mm. <laughs> uh, or then I'll I'll say, thank goodness that there is actually a .NET client app, so you're not stuck into the world of web. I'm, I am curious, though. Did you finish the web app version, or did you jump straight to Xamarin Forms or something like that? Nay, I decided for this stream, uh, it was time for me not to get too crazy and try to go down the Xamarin route because I wanted to finish. I wanted to finish the walkthrough. It was a walkthrough. So I wanted to finish the walkthrough, and then I wanted to expand the walkthrough. And I wanted to really understand how this worked. So um, I use straight JavaScript, no jQuery, no TypeScript shenanigans on top, just JavaScript, mm-hmm. you know, old school. And uh, to be honest, the JavaScript was pretty easy. And you can see in my stream, I go, hmm, how do I create a function? And it's just like, man, just slap a function in there. I was like, wow, that's pretty great. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I like I went to hit debug on my on my code. And like, I didn't even finish writing my method and it was like completely half written and I go, my method's not working. And I go, oh, because the code's not finished. I was like, where's my compiler flags? And I was like, oh, it's JavaScript. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> so, um, no. yeah, you got to bring up the error window in your web inspector because everything's a runtime error now and the parser is incredibly forgiving. So yeah, you gotta be careful with those curly braces. So intuitive. Miss our compiler. <laughs> so intuitive. And you know, there is a full tutorial in TypeScript but I didn't want to go down that route. It was even more things on top of it. So (laughs) I did finish it and I extended it. So to be honest, it is such an easy, easy API. You literally just be like new signal R connect to the hub. And then you say connection. It's like, it's a subscription. It's almost very F sharpie in a way because you're like Hmm. connection on this message, do this thing. Okay. Yep. 
So I'm curious, um, did you get deep into it? Because I always wonder about things like error recovery. What happens if you disconnect and reconnect? Does it handle all that kind of stuff for you? Did you find out or do we still have to look that bit up? No, the nice thing here is that it totally does handle um, all of that. So when you start the connection, you you pass it um, what to do when errors occur. You can also on the... Um, on the hub itself, you can handle um, when things are on connected and on disconnected when clients connect or disconnect. So you can do authentication um, with them. You can um, you can have different users, different claim tokens. So you can kind of add all that normal ASP.NETI things onto it. Um, and then on the client side, yeah, you can also. Um, handle any of your disconnects. Um, it's literally connection.closed. Like when it closed, mm-hmm. do something. And most likely you would delay a little bit and then reconnect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this yeah. this is one of the very first things when I started to think like, okay, the website, you know, the website kind of makes some sense because it's probably there, but, you know, maybe my, my you know, I, I locked my computer and the browser goes to sleep. Well, that's probably going to disconnect <laughs> it, you know, or, yeah. or I change tabs and, you know, Chrome puts something in a background thing or memories. Like who knows how the internet works at this point or the browsers are doing memory optimizations. So you're going to have to handle that stuff, but it's really, really simplistic. It's almost, it's like I said, it's almost too easy. <laughs> well, I like that they have a lot of options. That means they've run into a few different scenarios and have had to support a few different scenarios in the past. So chances are it'll support your scenario. I always like that when I see something that's a little bit over-engineered, you think at the beginning, but then you realize, yeah, because they've run into all these issues. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about what you mentioned before about WebAssembly and all that, because mm-hmm. the JavaScript is great and all, but I still love doing everything in .NET. Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't it be fun to use the .NET client like you said, straight in the browser, in the WebAssembly. And I'd tell you, yeah, 100%, that should work just fine. Um, it's a little funny, though. Um, I, I want to talk about doing it, and then I want to talk about why it's actually a little funny to do it, though. Okay. So with the WebAssembly, I just want to review that everything compiles down, your app is running right in the browser, it's just running not as JavaScript, but as something else. So WebAssembly is fancy, but it's not magic or anything like that. And Blazor is a great version of that. And that's why you need client libraries, because they're actually going to need to make HTTP calls to the server. Mm-hmm. They're not actually connected to the server, they're still going to go through all that stuff, WebSockets, yeah. whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> So <laughs> now the weird thing is Blazor has already taken care of this for you, though. So they have a server-side version of Blazor mm-hmm. that I think actually uses SignalR as its back end. And this does the same thing that we does, where instead of writing both server code and client code, you just run one code base. Some of it runs on the client, some of it's done with messaging over WebSockets. It's really up to the program uh, to figure all that out for you. And both Blazor and we can run in those modes. So really, you just have a plethora of ways you could run these stupid things. Wow, that's pretty great. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading on the GitHub page right now. And there's 
apparently from what I can tell, total support for Blazor and Signal R. Just it yeah. works. Yeah, um, because they did the same thing I did and we built them around a messaging system. And so it didn't really matter who was sending the messages. It could be a server sending the messages or it could be a web assembly sending the messages. It's, you know, a nice simple architecture like that. And so they were able to extend Blazor to the server, just like I was able to extend we to the client. We kind of both went different directions. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and under the hood, they're using some some similar tech, but different up top, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, the difference between Blazor and We at this point are programming APIs. Uh, we gives you the web DOM and Xamarin forms, and Blazor gives you more of a componentized kind of web programming interface. It, it's a lot like Razor if you've used Razor. Mm-hmm. It's it's really nice for functional programming, actually, the Blazor programming model. But if you're an old Visual Basic UI programmer like me, then kind of prefer we and the Xamarin Forms style of programming. If you're like me and love XAML, Frank's got your back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was the first, not, that, that was the next request that I got was someone wanted me to use we and show them how i built soundbite.fm all in xaml and and it's it is websockets i remember the very first thing we had like issues with chrome and weird websockets thing and i think you had to do some work with websockets right so can you talk about that yeah yeah i mean that's why i'm saying that uh websockets aren't easy i'm talking from experience here because i've had to fix lots of bugs uh, a lot of things are just as simple as um, you got to set all the right headers so that they survive proxies and things like that. But you hit a very common one. Um, if you just go to Azure and start a new website, they don't enable WebSockets by default. So I think you could install Wii and be like, what? Well, the stupid thing doesn't work. <laughs> and you got to scroll through a million settings and somewhere in there you can turn on WebSockets. And so that was something. Uh, we had SSL issues because you got to use different endpoints mm. when you're doing uh, encryption over web sockets, which is a good thing. Um, and there's still uh, there's a still few things actually I want to steal from SignalR, uh, particularly um, not uh, authentication. Yeah, authentication or just some sort of way to prevent uh, request tampering. I believe SignalR has some stuff built in with that. And that's for man-in-the-middle attacks, which are less common if you're doing everything over SSL. But you still, I don't know, for super paranoia, you kind of want to, <laughs> you just want to make sure nothing's been tampered with yeah. along the way. They do have two nice things that I'll, I'll talk about because I do want to talk about some other technologies around that. I know we've been talking about WebSockets. Is they do have the authentication built in, but they also have uh, streaming uh, support and people are like, well, isn't it real time communication? You're streaming things, but this is the scenario where you're streaming fragments of data over time, like in real time, like bits and pieces yeah. of data are coming in, and this is built in support. Um, and the idea is that you kind of create like an unbounded channel, so it's not just expecting a full message. It can kind of combine all of these things together, um, which is really unique and cool to be honest with you 
Yeah. Uh, and this is what I was mentioning in the beginning about numbers, how I just want to send numbers over these kinds of things. And you need a stream for this because if I'm transmitting sensor data, it's an unbounded stream of numbers. So you don't want to be um, have a chatty API where you say, give me the next number. It sends you the next number. Give me the next number. Give me the next number. So it gives you a stream. Do you know if, uh, do they implement iObservable so all the Rx people can be all Rx-y? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we could only hope. I'm sure someone's done a translation layer, if not. Probably. To make that happen. Probably. Yeah. Are, are you going to do streaming? Are you going to implement streaming? Do you have any experience with it? Because I, ha I hadn't seen that API yet, and I was just curious how it actually worked. No. No, nope. <laughs> no need for me. I don't think I'm, I'm good. I'm good at this point. I think I just want to get literally something in there working and going because I, yeah. I, um, I understand that it should work. I want to install it, get it working and then really talk about the use cases for it. Because, you know, the first thing th that someone said when I started saying like, Oh, I'm going to put in a mobile app. I'm like, Oh, we totally did this. And you know, it has issues when the app goes into the background and I go, uh, -huh. uh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, it's called a <laughs> yeah. disconnect. And in fact, they're like, oh, if the app's not open, I can't, I, you know, Apple won't let me create a real time communication <laughs> stream with my backend. I'm like, uh, yeah, that, that is correct. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so the, there are background modes and Apple will let you hit a lot of network resources, but they're time bound and all that stuff. So you still have to be a good conscientious programmer when you're doing these mobile operating systems. Yeah. You know, I've I've never really had much trouble with that because don't you usually abstract it out to a service whenever the app goes into the background, notify the service we're going into the background. Mm -hmm. When you come back into the foreground, tell the service, hey, back in the foreground, yep. reconnect, yep. do all your stuff. So it's, it's a pain, but it's kind of a easy pain yeah. and, <laughs> to get rid of. And Xamarin Forms even abstracts that. So on app start, on app, you know, go away. And, and even if you're on a page, it could be a page level connection at the same time if it's memory intensive. Because for me, I mean, I want to, the ideal scenario is that I, the ideal scenario is that I create like a group chat and then, you know, I can append messages of who's typing as I'm typing, whether it's on mobile or on something else. And that hopefully just works. We'll see. And I want to go further as far as doing that microservice level of bundling it up, dockerizing it, putting it into a dev flow, you know, DevOps flow and, and, mm -hmm. end to end that's there. So we'll see if I do it long-term. Um, but I'm excited that it may be as easy as a few lines of code to, to do real-time communication. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I honestly that is a huge selling point for it because there are competing, I guess, technologies to this. I just want to give a shout out to a couple. Uh, a big one is MQTT, which is kind of the up and rising pub sub one in the IoT world. So where you have a bunch of sensors broadcasting variables, and or you want a server that's recording numbers, and you know that kind of stuff it's it's really built around streaming primarily less around re remote procedure calls and that stuff it's really streaming data and then um you know ios has wonderful built-in stuff for this <laughs> there's multi-peer um connectivity where you can actually set up streams between different devices and all that the big difference here though is what you were saying 
even MQTT, which has nice libraries for it, it's still quite a bit of code to write and to think through and all that stuff. Whereas, as you were saying with SignalR, it's pretty darn simple. Just get your connect and disconnect events right, and the rest is kind of taken care of for you. And you really can't argue with that kind of simplicity. Yeah, I can't be mad when it's the essential scenario. I can't be mad when it's three lines of code to do uh, to build an entire compass from scratch, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And especially if that code is robust, if you don't have like if that code doesn't turn into 30 lines by the end of the project or worse, you know, 3000 lines. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's one of those things where where I want it to be flexible and easy enough that I feel comfortable uh, and also still architected in a way that I can understand. So in that live stream, you kind of see these light bulbs in my ha- head at certain <laughs> points, like, oh, oh, now I get it. Now I understand that I can do this or do that. Um, even if it was all from JavaScript, I still started to understand the decoupling of services and why I had to do this and why I had to go this route and, and back and forth. So, um, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. I'll put, I'll put a link directly to the YouTube video Mm -hmm. into the show notes and how long is it how long is the video so this one's actually shorter uh in in general so this one is an hour and a half but i probably talk for the first 20 minutes or so or back and forth you can kind of skip around yeah i'll fast forward through that part yeah you can watch these videos much talky talky yeah you can watch this back at 1.5 and you can like go (laughs) but um yeah, it's uh, it was quite fun, and you know, I, I, you know, with streaming, it's very different because I'm answering questions, I'm doing, you know, things, there's chat windows and all this stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's good. Do you have a light bulb emoji pop up yet? You're gonna have to add that to your repertoire. Oh, I have so many things that pop up. So when people Serious? follow me, like Drake pops up. If someone donates bits, Kanye pops up. Um, Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. You can see it on the stream. Oh, man. That's great. Okay. Mm. I'm going to need a beer while I watch this, aren't I? Yeah, I have like a stream deck. So I have um, custom like sound clips that happen when people do stuff or yeah, I have background <laughs> music. I, I pay, I subscribe to stream approved music so I don't get uh, uh, takedown notices. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good job. Mm-hmm. That's pretty smart, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Took a while. But yeah, it's, it's nice here because even if you watch on YouTube, I embed the chat into the video so you can you can see what people are asking me. Super cool. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, James. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Good. All right. We did it. Signal R. Are we going to are you going to leave the chat out up? Can we have a access to your chat app? That's the great part is that it's all available on my GitHub. Not running in a server, though. Uh-uh. Not yet. No, I mean. <laughs> That when I do, I will put it there and see how much that costs me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least for a little bit of time. So we'll see. Awesome. Uh, Can't wait. All right. Well, thanks for exploring real-time communication with me, Frank. Yeah, enjoy it. It's, it actually comes up quite often for me. So I was surprised we hadn't talked about it before. Yeah. So glad we got to it. Good. Well, there's more to come, I'm sure, as I continue my, my flow of doing real-time communication with signal r but frankie um frank 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 um well thanks for for um podcasting with me for 121 episodes are we up to 121 well here's to 21 more we we can do it (laughs) well we're not even gonna hit 150 thanks frank um We got to end on a 42. Exactly. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. You can, of course, find us everywhere on the internet at mergeconflict.fm, on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm, 
at James Montemagno, at Proclarum. You can rate, subscribe, review, do all of the things on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, podcast apps, I don't know, Overcast, all the things. Tell your friends, tell your families, just go grab their device and subscribe for them. They will thank you later. So until next time, there's been another episode of Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.